Good afternoon, folks. Uh, it's Mike and Brian coming at you again, like a short merge lane on the interstate. And uh, we are, first of all, starting off with uh, with a photo that I've just shown Brian literally moments before we started this podcast, and I just wanted to get his get his visceral reaction to it. All right, what you got? Well, you should probably tell them what it is so they know what I'm going to okay. paint a picture for us. Paint a picture? It, it's a pink cheek. It's all it is. Um, no, I mean, it's horrifying. To me, it's horrifying. To some individual, it, it's the best thing ever. We're not particularly horrified with pink Jeeps in general. We recognize that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've seen pink Jeeps before at Moab. No, not Moab. Yeah, maybe Moab. I know they got them out in Sedona. It's like a tour company thing. It makes them stand out. Um, no, but I mean, this one, I think, was it England? Something like that? Something like that. Yeah, they were over there in Europe somewhere. Or, uh, <clears throat> and they just this company got rid of the seven slot grill, made it four. It was horrible. It is the mall crawliest of mall crawlers. Yeah, it was a JK, and they put like JL lights on it, and it's it's weird. I mean, Jeeps are like giant Legos, so I guess. I guess. And like I said, to each their own. But for me, it's obviously. Is it the four slot grill that really gets under your skin? Because that's what. I mean, that was honestly that was the first thing I noticed besides the pink. Yes, you know, and some things you just don't mess with with a Jeep, and it's for a Wrangler anyway. It's round headlights, seven slots. You can do a lot of just about anything else you want to it, but you, you don't do that. Um, but like I said, to each their own. And it doesn't look particularly capable either because it's falling into that trap of giant wheel, giant tire, no articulation. Hmm. So it's good for. Uh, commuting. Yeah, they're in Europe. They don't have a lot of hard trails anyway. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, I, I, I say that I've never been there. I have no idea what their off-road scene is, but I'm just going to make an assumption here. I do. I do. Remember, I do know there's something in Britain called green laning, which is the most British thing on the planet, where you ask a farmer if you can drive around his property for a while. You just apparently <laughs> you put your old Land Rover in. Well, I mean, I have to say, they get a lot of rain over there, don't they? So it's probably. Grassy mudding? Apparently, it's a, a, a massive challenge. I mean, it, it really is tough. You know, like we think of rock crawling, you know, out, out mm. where, where you've been out in the in the southwest yeah. and, and other places like that where it's a, you know, it's it's a adrenaline rush of three miles an hour. And it, it, same thing over there, but it's not up giant rocks. It's, you know, down these grassy slopes, slippery trails where, yeah. you know, there's a river down at the bottom of there. And uh, if you don't keep your momentum up and, and keep the wheels turning, you might just... Yeah. I mean, I just thought anything could be fun. I've never tried it, so I, I'm not going to comment on it, but sure. <laughs> Imagine having to walk to a farmer's house and ask him if he can borrow his tractor and pull your old Land Rover out of a river. Just the rush of it. <laughs> I noticed you're sporting the trucker's tan, too. I don't, I, don't have, I don't have mine yet. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's what I do. Your windows down guy? Oh, yeah. Left nice. arm just tans beautifully. <laughs> Right arm is a ghost. <laughs> oh yes. Well, it's days like today that I do miss uh, my old four-wheel drive. I think we've all. In order to be a real car guy, you have to have a four-wheel drive at some point. I mean, it's just have what you want. You know, if you're a Honda guy, have a have a Honda have a Honda. You know, if you like your old muscle cars, have your old muscle cars. But you you gotta have something with with a transfer case at some point. I mean, I I, I agree with you in the sense I, I like. 
trucks and off-road stuff. So, yeah, I agree with you. But, no, I, I mean, if you're a car guy, it's your own... Everyone does their own thing, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I don't want to be one of those people who say, you got to do this, you know? <laughs> but, I mean, if you're building your own projects, yeah, yeah, you need a truck because you're going to have to tow something, go get something heavy. That's the utilitarian... The, Utilitarian? Yeah, utilitarian. Yeah, that's the right word. Usefulness of the vehicle, you know, lends itself nicely to that, but you don't need one. It's highly recommended. They are fun, but yeah, you don't need one. Now, I am I am one of those guys that actually, uh, I probably fall into the minority because I say that, that if you have a pickup truck, that does not necessarily have to be your four-wheel drive because a four-wheel drive pickup is not the most capable vehicle uh, on the face of the planet. Well, I mean, capable and I'm, changes depending on what you need it to do. It's true. That's true. I, I'm really... Because uh, I, I down I'm, here and like out in California, two-wheel drive pickup trucks are somewhat common. Mm -hmm. Up north, they don't even sell them. Yep. I, I've never seen... I mean, I've seen them in like the little two-wheel drive, like Tacoma S10 kind yeah, of thing. Sure. But you get into a full-size pickup truck, I cannot ever recall a member... Seeing anyone sure with a two wheel because it's useless. Sure, yeah, I, I, valid. I mean, absolutely valid point. And, and my whole thing was that just because I'm a southerner, you know, that that's where I've been my hmm. whole life. And, and of course, down here, you know, the people think I think the the logic of having a four wheel drive vehicle with a bed on the back of it is bad weather. You know, hmm. the, uh, I might need a need it on a gravel road or something like that. Or if it snows, that's when I'll need it. But of course, in the snow, four wheel drive pickup truck often gets. I think more credit than it should. I've definitely seen. I don't know, man. I I've owned seen my share of them that are. I mean, I've owned three Tundras, and I drove from New Hampshire to Rhode Island in the middle of a blizzard, and they were Tundras a big. They were they were Jeeps going off the road, and I just <laughs> if you know what you're doing, I mean, you can do it. There in, we go. In a freaking eclipse. That is the crux you know? of this. But no, I have no problems. So many people do not know what they're doing. That you need the right tires just now. And you gotta have the right tires. People think mud tires are good for anything and did not. Nope. Or summer tires are all weather tires and I mean it's better than nothing, but you need a snow tire for snow. Like, absolutely not need. the snow you get here in the south, but actual real snow. I was gonna say you absolutely <clears throat> need you need the right equipment wherever you're driving. And I think so many people just it, it doesn't even cross their mind mm -hmm. anymore, you know. And I really, it doesn't get on my nerves, but I, I kind of worry, you know, because I've got, you know, right now, I think I've got two, two boxes in the back of my car full of, why do I have two sets of jumper cables? But I have that kind of stuff because, you know, you know, that, yeah. you know car guys always seem to, I've always thought you, it was natural to carry that kind of stuff because. Yeah, I mean, when I lived out in uh, Phoenix, I always had uh, water and oh, yeah, food sure. and everything, you know, because sure. you never know. Absolutely. You know, I've had friends that lived. When she was in the Air Force up in one of the Dakotas, wherever the hell their base is up there, they, yeah, they always had, you know, blankets and cold weather gear in the trunk of their car. It's different for wherever you live, but yeah, it's always good to have emergency stuff. I'm trying to pay attention to what you're saying, but that pink Jeep is embedded in my brain. I can't get that thing out of my head. It's awful. It's it's not even a wrap. You can't even you can't even change it that easily. <laughs> Yeah, it was like that. Thing. Yeah, it was like that bedline or stuff to put on it. Yeah, you have to go. You have to go strip that off, and then you have to paint the thing over again for it to look normal. I don't know. Maybe I'm just old, but things like that, I just brush off. I'm just like, yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I don't spend much time on stuff like that. 
Yeah, his opinions definitely. <clears throat> I remember in my twenties, I having those opinion levels. You know, the the, the, the swings from oh, I hate that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it rules. Yeah, that that is. I yeah. like that. That's fallen by the wayside now. I feel more mature. Mm. Uh, I'm not so passionate about things all the time. And you just get irritated with the people that behind right. you. That's right. <laughs> still do it. <laughs> yeah, I feel seasoned. Whoever said yeah. that the other day. Seasoned. <laughs> That's a great term. Um, well, we uh, we have some news. Our special guest uh, that I had lined up for today, Mick Jagger, cannot show up. So uh, instead, <laughs> I, I wanted to uh, talk about something that I think about a well. Whenever I think about cars... Uh, I was kind of do a free association, and I think everyone growing up had that first like car envy. Was it a kid in your neighborhood or like like someone I, you actually knew? Like you actually saw the car in person? Or? No, 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 absolutely not. And for I think I was going to use an example of Magnum PI. You know, I think a lot of people, you know, Tom Selleck and the 308. I mean, I think for me, I mean, if we're just going, you know, complete fantasy here. It'd probably be a toss-up between DeLorean Time Machine Ooh. and Knight Rider. <laughs> Both good ones. Yeah. I mean, one can travel through time, and the other one is a walking supercomputer. The other one talks to you. Driving supercomputer. Yeah, the other one talks to you. I don't actually... I didn't actually watch that much Knight Rider, so I don't remember what the car did. Anything. Anything? Think of, like, every gadget in a Bond movie, put it into there... And it talks to you and has a really cool little light. <laughs> what was the little light for? I don't... Uh, that was its... I don't know. I mean, it's like a DVD player that just has that little light on. It just lets <laughs> you know it's on. I don't know. It was on. Yeah. That was, yes. Uh, I'm, with you. I'm with you on both of those. Very high on my list, too. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what mine would be. They probably changed. But I do, I do remember uh, when I was a little kid, uh, one of the... the Seminal TV shows for uh, for us was uh, the Magnum PI, mm-hmm. just because my dad, you know, I never watched that. Dad show. liked it, um, and uh, of course, you know, the the, the normal um, like ABC Wide World of Sports, mm-hmm. you know, kind of stuff. Um, and I, I was a I was a Ford guy early, really, really early on. Yeah, uh, mainly because of the the IMSA Mustangs. Um, and it was just because that was, you know, it was loud. Yeah. Uh, you could you you could watch them spit fire out of the exhaust. <laughs> yeah. So that was the first time I was just like, I really want that car, and I'll do you know anything to get it. I'm trying to remember the first car that I said that I want to own, like passionately. Yeah. It's probably a Jeep. I mean, it's it's kind of a anticlimactic, but yeah. No, probably, fair enough, man. Probably a Jeep. I remember just being a kid and. It yeah. starts early. You know, Saturday mornings it was cartoons. Yep. Sunday mornings it was, um, I think it was on TNT. It was all like the the Power Block and the Off Road Extreme Trip, like that oh, kind absolutely. of stuff. Absolutely. So I, I would watch all that. Um, and yeah, it was like I just want I just want a Jeep. We're gonna swap the engine out of an old Camaro during our commercial break at this very episode. I think isn't that the plan? And then we're gonna hide it away for nine months. <laughs> drag it back out. <laughs> That was my favorite thing about <clears throat> Saturday morning car TV. It was it was great. I, I watched my fair share of it, but they always had these massive projects that seemed to get completed in 22 minutes. <laughs> it was amazing. It made you believe in yourself. Yeah, and then, like, I don't know about back then, I can't remember, but I know now it's like 10 minutes of cool stuff and then 10 minutes of commercials. 
and then back to the show for plugs for the products that you. Well, that's what I meant by commercials. <laughs> it's in yeah. TV commercials. Uh, it's just, you know, we got this great part. Check out their whole catalog. Well, I will give I will give Car TV credit that it's better than it used to be. You know, because when that was they got more budget now. Yeah, I was gonna say well, when that well, I mean, really, when we were when we were watching basic cable, your your options for car related TV were were that. Yeah. And then racing, pretty mm. much, and uh, of course now you know, I, I would say that any any of the streaming services have their own. Oh God, that's all they have now. It's, everything, it's everything's car crazy. Yeah. Everyone's got their own app, and everyone's got their own stuff. I mean, you hell, you can even go on YouTube and you can find mm-hmm. stupid amount. I mean, most of it is some jack wagon, jack wagon <laughs> in his freaking driveway. But yeah, you know, jack wagons in your driveway. Keep keep making those videos, man. We we we, we love YouTube videos about uh, car maintenance as much as the next guys. Keep shaking those phones around. Make sure you keep the microphones nice and low so we can't hear you. Uh, keep your thumb over the uh, part of the lens on the camera. I can look past most of that stuff if it's a cool vehicle that I'm interested in, and they know what they're talking about. You know, if it's I've never done this, <laughs> let's see what happens. <laughs> and you spend six hours trying to remove a bowl. I, I just I get no time for that. <laughs> R.I.P. to nitrous bottle in uh, Dodge Ram intake on Dino Guy. If you haven't seen the video, I think you told me about that. YouTube. I mean, I've seen plenty of videos like that, but you, you just like turned it on and just let it rip, right? Uh, it did that very yeah, thing. Yeah, it gives you just a quick little shot, and he failed to do that. <laughs> he was out of the shot. But you know, it probably has it probably has like four million views right now. Absolutely, I'm <laughs> sure he's a superstar from whatever hospital bed he, hospital bed he's inhabiting. <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean, I was just really saying that you know, my, my whole point was that, you know, now you can watch, you can watch a real, you know, simulate, or a, I should say serialized show of whatever type of, you know, hmm. off-roading, there's restoration, customization, yeah. you know, the building of race cars, the restoring of race cars. There's very little middle-of-the-road stuff. It's either they go... Full roadkill, and it's you're familiar with roadkill, right? Crazy junkyard stuff. Yeah, it's the cheapest, unsafe, don't do this at home kind of thing, <laughs> you know. And then you have the full on quarter million dollar build, mm-hmm. you know. And there's very little in the way of you know. It's it's always cheap Jeep. Like how many cheap Jeep programs are we gonna have, you know, or things along that line? Mm-hmm. It's just the cheapest we can do it. You know, for the average guy, which I get, yeah, I understand that, but there's just so much of that. And then there's this, you know, well, we're just going to, you know, throw the company credit card at it, order the catalog, and, I mean, it's an awesome build, but then you're in the other extreme. There's very little, you know, we're just going to make a normal, you know, rig. You know, we're going to spend some money, but, you know. But to all our listeners out there, we are not saying that, that we would we would we would reject offers to use your enormous credit card balance to build whatever you want. We're not saying that at all. We were just saying that for our TV uh, selection. Yeah, I just know, like, you go on, like, the Motor Trend app and you watch all their shows, it's usually one or the other, Mm -hmm. you know, or any of those other things. It's either a multi-million dollar budget or 30 bucks. Yep. And, I mean, they're both entertaining. 
But. I'm not a fan of it either. I really do think there is a market for, you know, a guy that's got a project in his garage and it's something cool, something unique. Mm. And he's like, you know, I, I bought it because it was cool and unique. And I realized two years later, however, however long it's been, it's covered in boxes. And You know, I think they even have a show for that. I of think, course they do. I think that goes my like idea. Garage Squad or is some, it, it's basically three or four mechanics show up at this dude's house and say, okay, you've had this thing a decade, your wife is pissed, she's ready to leave you, we're going to get this done. And, and the dude helped, the owner helps, but, you know, it's like they're, they're sorting out the electrical issue that, you know, stopped everything from working. Yeah. They're, they're TIG welding, you know, whatever, you know, they're doing a lot of that stuff and, you know, the guy is, you know, turn that bolt. Yeah. And he turns the bolt. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, they even have that show. They get a show for everything. Ah. <laughs> Well, uh, again, we are not. We're also not rejecting uh, anyone that wants to uh, put us on TV. Certainly not. We just don't want to. Um, we don't. We don't really want to do the unsafe uh, junkyard pulling restoration kind of stuff. Actually, you know, you say that. Like the way Roadkill started, it, it was what, what Freiburger and Payway. I think like twenty years ago. Roadkill rules. It, it is. I, I will. I love. Engine Master, I love all those shows. I really do. It, it's just done we're to not. De- it's just done to death. We're not. We're not worthy. Let's face no, it. no, oh god. <laughs> but the two of them, like twenty years ago, they would just go like to a junkyard, or they'd buy it from some dude. Yeah. Fix it in the driveway and drive it home. Yeah. You know, and, th- and that's how they say they came up with the idea. And you know, me and my buddy back home, we, we talked about like that's a fun. That sounds like a fun trip. You know, go to like New Mexico and buy something. You know. Reasonably in good shape, and then just drive it home and nurse it. And you know, of course, for us, that's a 2300 mile <laughs> trip across the country, but it sounds like a fun time. And actually, that brings up a, a, an interesting point because I'm, I'm not sure that would be is that going to be possible in say 2030 when you're, when you're going after a vehicle from 2010 that's been sitting in someone's yard for 15 20 years. Well, I think it would have to be... And the electronics are that much more sensitive. Yeah, I mean, it'd have to be a longer wait. But I know what you're saying. Probably not. I mean, trying to imagine trying to yeah. trying to restore the world's last Prius yeah. in 2090. Because, I mean, you know, one little sensor goes and screws <laughs> everything up. I mean, it anything's possible. You'd have to bring more parts, you know, and, and it would be be much more technical. You know, you would need a laptop with you. You would need diagnostic equipment. You would need all this other stuff. And you just have to hope that, you know, the wiring harness and sensors yeah. are in decent shape, you know. And, and then instead of bringing carburetors and starters and batteries, you're bringing, you know, relays and sensors and ECUs, <laughs> you know. It's just... It is possible. It's just, it'd be a lot more expensive. Spray some starter fluid on that there circuit board. Let's see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, there's there's that problem already, really, if you think about a lot of the old, you know, uh, really expensive cars from the 90s and 80s had such specialized you know, mm. computers in them that you had to, you had to have some kind of external piece of software to, to check engine codes and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. Uh, as we, you know, of course, uh, as we get further and further away from Windows 95, that's just not available. Some of that stuff's just not available anymore. Or only through a, a yeah. newer, you know, super specialized, you know, kind of kind of network. Mm. Um, but, I mean, 
the aftermarket adapts. You know, if it actually became a thing of, of trying to restore, you know, a 2001 whatever in 2050, the aftermarket, you know, would... would we, hey, we have this old operating software. Thank you for thank you for plug and play EFI. Yeah, God, I, I I want one. I want. You need one too. I do. I need. Yeah, I do for my Cherokee. I want to get um, the Holly Sniper on there. Mm-hmm. That's a four hundred one motor, right? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> that's the only reason why I don't want to pull it and put like a Hemi or something in there is because mm-hmm. I I pull it, but I'll build it and mm-hmm. do something fun with it. What's your plan for it? I mean, I, every man has a list. But that, list. nothing crazy. You know, a couple really? of, Yeah, I, I, I would keep it leaf sprung and, um, you know, a couple inch lift on it. You know, put some moderately aggressive size tires on there. You yeah. know, 33s or something like that. Um, and then just build, build the motor. I think, I, I read an article on it and you can do like, they'll do 500 horsepower before you start breaking you know, the block. That's certainly enough. Yeah. So you can put, you know, good good bits and pieces inside it mm-hmm. and about 500 before, you know, you start cracking things. And What do you have to do for a transfer case of that kind of horsepower level? Well, it's got the quad track, the full-time all-wheel drive in mm-hmm. there. And it's good, but they say once it goes, replacement parts. I know, I think it's, it's either Rusty's off-road or BJ's off-road. Mm-hmm. They do sell rebuild kits and stuff like that. Um... I don't know. I know some people switch it over to a a um, part time system. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the all wheel drive, uh, but we'll figure something out. Do you need to do axles, locking hubs, that kind of stuff? I mean, well, right now it for mud. Is this like, you know all rounder? No, what, what I would not. That? Any of my my full size jeeps, I, I wouldn't put into serious off roading. I'd take them off-road. I'd have fun with them. But I don't want to start kicking in panels and beating the hell out of them. <laughs> they're too nice. And like a fender for one of those is two, three, four hundred dollars mm-hmm. You know, to find one that's not rusted out and crap. So, yeah, I, I, I want to build it, make it a toy, have some fun with it. Take it off-road. I got no problem getting it dirty and muddy and wet and stuff. But I don't want to beat the snot out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll buy a 2010 JK and just destroy that i got no problem with that you know those things are a dime a dozen expensive times but dime a dozen are you one of those people that finds like a, a zen kind of piece in cleaning the your your rig after you bring it in from z mud and z trails um i don't know zen like uh i do enjoy cleaning my vehicles um I say that after just having paid to have my car detailed but yes i <laughs> that, that was more of a time issue than a don't want to do it. I do like it. Um, I mean, most of my off-roading has been in out west and someone else's rig or a rental or something like that. So I haven't had like, you know, I'm usually pulling into a quick little power wash, car wash thing and just taking a wand to it and holding well, it down. But I've, you know, I'm just saying because there's certainly the, the spectrum of people who, you know, take a, Take a Q-tip to the inside of the... the I car. am not that dude. I used yeah. to be. When I was like 20 and I bought like my first brand new car. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, I'm still like, don't lean on my car. Don't touch it. You know, <laughs> I'm still that guy. 
but I'm not super anal about keeping it clean. Yeah. You know, and that's just, I'm busy. I got a ton of stuff going on. I, re- I, have I don't have a lot time of respect to do that. that. I have a lot of respect for that, though, because I, I used to know a guy who drove a little MGB <clears throat> convertible, and it didn't actually have a top. You know, the original top was long gone, and his solution was not to put a top on it. His solution was just to buy more clothing. And and he, he drove the thing year-round as as long as I knew him. And it was, it was awesome. Yes, it was awesome. And, and he went, you know, completely off the deep end with it. Goggles. Big pilot's gloves, <laughs> lamb, lamb's wool, you know. It was big, a lifestyle. Jack, it was, it was uh, yeah, it was It was definitely that. But, you know, he was having a lot of fun. So yeah. you couldn't take anything away from him. You know, I mean, once with those Jeeps, with, with my Cherokee and my J-Truck, you know, once the, the build is done mm-hmm. and I've put all that time and effort and energy and, and money into all that, maybe I'll be that Q-tip guy that just <laughs> gets every little nook and cranny on the dash and... And uh, maybe, but as of right now, like, um, no, I keep them clean. I like them look nice, but right now my car is, you know, driving through the ranch for the last couple of days. It, mm-hmm. it looks like crap, and I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll get it next week. Yeah, and then that comes into next week, and it's just snowballs. I actually, uh, I will admit, maybe this is, uh, maybe, maybe this can be diagnosed as something, but uh, when I wash my car, it really, really, it really bugs me to drive uh, onto an unpaved surface because then in my head I'm imagining the tires picking up all of the grime and filth and just chucking it back onto the car. Oh, yeah. And it just, uh, yeah. Actually, you know, now that I sit here and think about it, I know why I stopped being that anal clean guy. <laughs> when I, it, washing the car, you just find every imperfection. Oh, it's chip. torture. And it's, it's torture. Why the hell am I doing it? Like the front end of my car, I put 30,000 miles on that in like 13 months. Really? Yeah. It, it just, I drove the hell out of it just for work, you know? And it's all highway, which is good on the motor and, and the drivetrain and everything, but the front end looks like I just took it into a sandblaster. Mm. It, it's so much crap. And, and it has that, that 3M clear bra mm-hmm. sticker thing on the front. And it helped, but even that is getting blasted away. You know? Yeah. So it's just like, I'll. I'll Every time I wash it, I get irritated with it, so I oh, stop washing it. <laughs> <laughs> Fix that problem. <laughs> well, that car has been. That car is is certainly. Uh, it's got some miles on it. It's done some. It's done some road time. Hmm. So you know, it deserves to look a little. Look a little. Yeah. You know, and it still looks good. Wind it, swept. It's. I don't want to call it a ten foot paint. It, it's like a fifteen twenty foot paint job. Yeah. You know, it looks good from a little bit away. I think I would have the same problem buying a new car. You know, just that first time you heard oh, yeah. a, a rock hit the fender or something like that. Tink! Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. Yeah. Yes, that would be horrifying. Yeah. I, bought, I bought a couple brand new, like, two miles on the odometer kind of cars. Uh, it's horrifying. It really is. <laughs> I remember, I think it was my second Tundra. It, it still had the, the plastic bags on the seat. Mm-hmm. They hadn't hooked up the... Uh, the computer, so like the, the dashboard, nothing worked on the, the odometer worked, but like the the in, the entertainment, infotainment, whatever the hell it is, the it, it, that didn't even work. They had to hook that up, and so yeah, I've had brand 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 new cars, and yeah, you get behind a dump truck, and oh, it just sounds like death. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we we well, it's clinching, mm-hmm. it, it, it's awful. Uh, then you have it for like six months, and. 
You don't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, we met this poor fellow the other day who had uh, experienced this, one of the strangest car problem I can I can think of in recent memory, at least. He was uh, driving on the interstate and hit. Where did he hit? Some kind of post. Oh, the dude with the hood? Dude with the hood. The uh, a delineator. Well, that's what they call it up in Alaska. It's the the little looks like a little fence post with the little diamond reflector. Right. It just marks where the edge of the road is. That thing. So maybe the light was gone and it was dark, and he just pulled over on the side of the highway and just hit that. Mm. But yeah, that that was he got it though. Hey, well, he got it open. The diamond left. Yeah, he got it. He got it figured out. Oh, fantastic! I didn't see the uh, I didn't see the happy outcome. I was yeah. I was, I was walking away from the conversation when it happened and uh, felt for the guy, but um, I wondered how it happened in the first place because those delineators, as far as I know, are they yield pretty easily. They're not well, usually responsible for a whole lot of damage. The guy was moving. True enough. You know, I didn't even see much damage to the car. No, I, I mean, it, it could be he just was pulling on the parking brake. I mean, who the hell knows? <laughs> yeah, I, getting back to the issue of sensitive electronics, that was. You know, it, when I was a kid in the 80s, that was something that, that plagued every car. You know, the, the idea that there were these weird things called circuit boards in the, in the, somewhere deep in the bowels of the dashboard. And if yeah, I mean, one thing went wrong... Yeah, they're great when they work, but when they go wrong, it's expensive and it sucks. And I kind of go back and forth between wanting like a brand new, nice, mm-hmm. you know, luxury, you know... Practically drives itself. Well, I don't want to drive itself, but you know, it has all the bells and whistles. And mm-hmm. then just going to a tractor that you know turns on, and that's all it does. <laughs> Fix turns it on and goes. Fix it with a screwdriver. Yeah, and then that's all you need. So. There's a lot to be said for that, and, and it really you know. is. There's a an odd odds a gratification for that instant fix. Yes, you know, like. Oh, hey, look, that little screw just got yeah, exactly. good, and it noticeably runs better. Exactly. It, it's, it's very satisfying. And, and so often not possible with, with extremely sensitive electronics and solid-state yeah. batteries and things like that. I really hope that, and that I, I want that culture to remain, that, that culture of fixing something yourself that you then depend on, you know, something that is... I mean, I think it will. ...requires I mean, some maintenance from you. I, I have to believe... Regardless of where cars go, there are going to be car guys that want to fix stuff and and like like the old stuff. Well, Mad Max showed us that there will always be, even after the nuclear apocalypse, suburbans with giant big block engines running through the desert. Yeah, where the hell are they getting gas? What the hell? <laughs> I didn't even. I don't even remember where they, where they were getting gas from in the movies. But they burned through a lot of it. Yeah, like, there's no way there's a refinery still running. There's no way. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I gotta believe that there's always gonna be, you know, it could be 2082, and there's gonna yeah. be some dude that wants a 1970 Challenger. I hope know. so. And he just is... Doesn't have to buy one from a museum. Yeah, you know, what was it? Uh, that Will Smith movie. Um, I, Robot. When they're driving all those fancy cars, and he had that was a Ducati or whatever the motorcycle was, and still ran on gasoline, you know, I gotta believe that there'll be something like that, you know. Yeah, let's not have the world advance too quickly. Hmm. I'm a big fan of fixing, fixing stuff. 
in general. It doesn't even have to be card, you know, you just learning at a very early age or, or the first time you learn, you know, right is tight and left is, left is loose. That's a, you know, that's a fairly major accomplishment. Uh, especially when I was, when I was young, you know, that was the, you know, the, the impetus of, of being a kid was having a bike and yeah. fixing it. You know, you, you had it because you needed it to get places and yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think... It had to get you there. My bike was the extent of my take-apart-and-fix thing. What kind of bike you have? Back then, I mean, growing up, I just had, like, puppies and crap like that. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I think when I was in, like, 13, I got, like, a Raleigh. You never had a favorite one? Uh, I mean, I had, I think it was a GT was probably my favorite. Ooh, one. those were nice though. Yeah, and that's when I was starting to get into nicer things. Uh-huh. And, yeah, it was a good bike. I drove the crap out of that thing. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, I, I wasn't that kid that took everything apart and, you know, and wanted to know how it worked, put it back together. I wasn't that kid. You know, my bike, it was like I said, you know, place chains and, you know, sprockets and stuff like that and, pat, and brake pads and things like that, but... I wasn't take everything apart like my mom come home and you know her blender is in thirty pieces on the freaking floor. I wasn't like that, <laughs> you know. So you, you didn't you didn't take the crank set out and take it to a machine shop to see if they could uh, set the bearings with a little less resistance and no, uh, what wouldn't that do? I didn't either. Yeah, I mean, me really wanting to take things apart is a relatively new mm-hmm. phase of my life, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I definitely got in trouble for for. Uh, when I was a kid, taking taking the cars apart when I was supposed to be, you know, washing them or vacuuming them. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, 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 I don't know. I just wanted to see what was behind that. What was behind that panel? That was always part of it. You know, the the first time I looked up under the dashboard of a car and and saw that, you know, w- what I thought was just a big chunk of plastic. You mm. know, when you're a kid, you don't think about. Yeah. yeah. And it's actually, you know, just wires and yeah. you know hoses and brackets and, and just that was what really hooked me i think when i was really little see a big obstacle for me in the way i think is i'm always having to fight that natural urge of shit you're gonna break this <laughs> you're not gonna be able to get it back together and it's gonna be hard part of my problem i never really yeah i never like, thought that far ahead <laughs> and, and then you have those people that ah we'll figure, yeah, it, we'll out. figure it out when i get there you know and i just never had that confidence of yeah we can do this it was always of you know that fear of yeah, fear of failure, I guess, and and not being able to get back and mm-hmm. and like I, as I grow up and I realize that and, and now it's like okay, we're just gonna do this and see what the hell happens and you know hit the big red button you know <laughs> see what happens. So which brings us actually that that segue is a neat segue into the next segment, which is uh, that one time when you when you did break then you broke the stud you know rounded off the bolt. Did that one? Yeah, had that thing break in half where you're like, oh, that one did it. We're done. Because <laughs> I definitely have had those moments where I was just like, oh, that bolt fell down a long dark hole, and I don't know what's down there. Oh, I did that. Um, I just rebuilt my first carburetor. I say my first. I've only rebuilt like two, um, and the the setup on my Jeep it, it's kind of weird. Uh, on my gladiator for the um, air filter it's like a really long stud mm-hmm. so there's a um, a spacer mm-hmm. to get the the wing nut under the the uh, 
the threads there and I put um, so I didn't lose it when I took the uh, carburetor off I put the, the spacer and the wing nut back on the stud uh -huh. that bare thing uh -huh. so I'm like alright I got it all done and I went to take the wing nut off and the wing nut came off, and then when I pulled the washer up, it slipped out of my hand and went boop, right down into everything. And I was like, oh. Like Super Mario down a warp. Yeah, but luckily, I, I don't know how, I could just barely see it. So I had a, a, a like those telescopic magnets. Oh, the super magnets. Yeah, it's a I, most tense game of <laughs> freaking. And then you took. $20 out of the ATM and went and played the crane game at yeah. the bowling alley all night. You're like, yeah, I got this now. Oh, man. Nothing like that to make you feel like an absolute hero, though. It wasn't that I felt like a hero. It was like, oh, thank God, because I have no idea how to take this whole, you know, mm -hmm. intake apart and do all that. So, yeah, I looked out there. Yeah, I had the, I had a similar experience working on uh, oh, I can't even, uh, an, old Ford, an old Ford motor. Uh, that, was, that was the time I was I had to take the distributor out because the there was some play in the shaft and uh, I was gonna have to replace the gear on the bottom and I didn't realize that the gear was held in place by uh, it, it was <coughs> loose because the grub screw that was holding it was walking its way out and mm. you know I I pulled the distributor and had this this almost uh, uh, what am I trying to say moment of, of clairvoyance where I I, I barely like imagined something that was didn't come out with the distributor and I thought to myself I need to check one more time there's something down there <laughs> and sure enough that little grub screw and I luckily like you I had the super magnet and uh, I just kind of managed to fish for what feel it felt like forever yeah yeah but luckily oh man but yeah I was I was staring down that I was staring down that that distributor port just thinking well Time for a new engine. I'll never find <laughs> I can't start this one, and I'll never find that little thing. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. But I think that when when you know you're you're when you're younger and you know you you don't have that that decision making ability in your brain yet, where you're just like, what do I do if this happens? You know, you don't have a backup plan. You know, you, that's what I think is what having you know for me that's what having a good toolbox was all about. That was like my backup plan. Yeah. I could fix more stuff. Mm. I guess so. I mean, I was just a timid kid. Yeah. You know, like I wasn't, you know, just this crazy off the wall, you know, I'm going to go climb that tree and then <laughs> to the top. I was like, man, that's a long freaking way up there. I ain't going up. You know, that's how I was. So it's just carried over into other parts of my life. And it's just now that I'm, you know, approaching 40, it's like you have that perspective of, eh, I got to work around that now. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I used to think that I lived in a Mountain Dew commercial. And uh, <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah. Anymore. It's nice. But you know, it's nice to it's nice to not have the urge to jump your bike over every tree root and. See, that's a different thing. Seen. That's a different thing on a mountain bike. Oh man, I used to. I used to love that. I grew up. My house. It was right in front of some woods. We'd go up the, the high power lines. You know, go up there, and it was just miles and miles of trails and you know, dirt bikes and everything would go up there. Did you, you live a Calvin and Hobbes existence where you were constantly just? Flying down these massive trails, I would. Uh, four wheels in the air. I, well, not four, two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I would, because I did those trails so much, I knew them, so I knew where I could really go bombing down this hill and there where I had to be a little careful. There you go. So, 
And that, oh, no helmet. Never wore a helmet. Of course not. Oh, man. It just I, got in the way. I got messed up a couple times, too. Luckily, never did my head, but, oh, man. Never broke a bone, either. Really? Yeah. I did a couple. I did take a massive nosedive one time because of my helmet, actually. I didn't have it strapped on tight enough, and I landed. <laughs> and, of course, the helmet, the first thing the helmet does is slide forward yep. and uh, make you look like an idiot, and I pedaled right into a fence. <laughs> yeah. Didn't even know. But Yeah, uh, some things I, I just just go crazy with because I had done it enough I built up that confidence that oh sure. I can do this sure yeah you know but with new things very very cautious approach to things now if 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 you've ever ridden a bicycle or if, if you were a mountain biker like like we were when we were kids I don't know if I was a mountain biker I okay like, well uh, I like to go riding off road I'll use that a loose, I'll use that in a very loose sense yeah. I'll use that in a very loose <laughs> sense but I'll, I'll say that when we were when we were kids of course uh, the the big invention for me uh, the the technological the, what what might have been the industrial revolution in in my little world uh, was the invention of the bicycle that had suspension on it. Oh yeah, uh, that was uh, that was awesome. Yeah, the I mean, first bike, year I saw that in the Sears catalog, I went nuts. I remember uh, I got my first one had with springs and like on the front fork. Yeah, uh, it was like a huffy or whatever. I mean, the thing weighed thirty eight pounds. <laughs> But I had springs in the front, and that was the coolest kid in the neighborhood. So. Absolutely. Suck it. Did it have little plastic boots on the outside? It makes you feel like you're on a dirt bike? No, no plastic boots. Really? Didn't have those. Nice. Yeah. I mean, God, when, when I stopped mountain biking, like, disc brakes were still only on high-end. Yeah, me too. You know, extreme things. Yeah, and now me they're, too. Like on puppies. Yep. You know. <laughs> yep. I remember a kid in my neighborhood got one of those... And this is again. This is a super, super, super nerdy bike stuff. But he had a Cannondale, and the cool thing about Cannondale bikes was they had a, they didn't have a front fork. They had a single uh, swing arm, I guess, or or or, or uh, kingpin assembly on the uh, on the front. It was just one side. The the front I've wheel was never supported on one side. Uh, again, ask Google, you'll you'll see it. And they had it, and they managed to turn that thing into a piece of suspension too. So his was not only, you know, the, the coolest the, the thing thing we'd ever seen because yeah. it was, you know, a, a very expensive mountain bike. But Sounds it like a marketing uh, ploy. It, it was a. It, it can't be stronger. Incredible. <laughs> it was it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I thought it was broken. You know. Yeah. Hey man, what's wrong with your bike? Oh no, it's that one. <laughs> uh, it's Kendale. It's Kendale. It's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> you do sound rich when you say the name Kendale. I mean. Maybe. What sounds more expensive? Cannondale or Huffy? I think it's it's hard to to give the honest answer because you buy is it. Huffy still, is Huffy still, I want to know, is Huffy still around? Because there was, I always thought, oh, there kids, was, I, I always thought there was no future for a bike brand that when you said it, you sounded out of breath. You know, <laughs> hey, what do you ride? Huffy? <sighs> I've pedaled all the way here. Oh, I'm tired. I don't know. I don't know if they're still in business. Like I said, I don't have kids. So. It's been a long time since I bought a bike at, uh... Yeah. Any... Actually, you know what? The last bike I bought was a Maserati. I found an old one that a guy had at a dealership hmm. for a while. And it wasn't anything they built, you know, super in the... In the, you know, the, the race team didn't build it or anything like that. It was just a run of some bicycles that they put yeah. their name on. But... It was cool. I didn't ride it that much because it was so old. Yeah, yeah. 
where am I gonna get anything for this? But it was nice. That's a car brand I never really got into. Was Maserati? Yeah, there's no need. Yeah, I like, <laughs> but I don't even know a model name from uh, like. No, all I know is Maserati. Yeah, I see one goes up and by every now and on the highway, and about it, and I'm like, yeah, it, it just they blend in and they don't really strike yeah. me as anything amazing. Yeah, of course, I think in, in you know in the states, it's uh, where we have you know, we're certainly spoiled for choice on on cars. I think a lot of cars that would stand out in other places, you know, for here or around mm. here, they. You know, they just seem like part of the backdrop. Yeah, I Whereas, think that's like a, a cultural thing. Like, you know, your job. Europe strikes me as, you know, can't be like, oh, it's too ostentatious and, you know, keep it low key and blend in. America is just like, okay, I want stripes, I want underglow, I want something <laughs> bright, you know? So, I, yeah, I, I can see that, you know. Like, I've heard English people say that, like, you couldn't take, like, uh, a ZR1 or something like that and just go rolling through small town England and they're just be like no where you like if you took that and you went to like the sticks of anywhere like in the south and they'd be like jippy yeah <laughs> yeah know? yeah you're right about that <laughs> I, I you know every, how many of those uh, enormous uh, uh, decked out 2500 three quarter ton trucks Hmm. Do we see on a daily basis where, you know, it's, it's it's not really even so much about the functionality of the parts anymore. All that is given way to what you call you call them transformers, which I think is awesome. Yeah, um, and another name that I absolutely love. Uh, I have a friend from New Zealand, and in that part of the world, they call them Yank tanks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like all our like our full size pickup because their pickups, they do have a lot of they do have a lot of trucks, but they're like Rangers and. They're smaller, sure. like quarter-ton pickup. Sure. Because they're just, I think just now they're starting to get them. Because I think once you import a $60,000 truck with all the taxes and fees, mm -hmm. they're like $150,000 for a 2500 You know, yeah. it's crazy. So they're just not there. So, yeah, they just think it, they're, they're absurd. I mean, they, they, they'll pull a boat with like a Corolla. They don't care down there. <laughs> they, they, I've literally seen that. Like, I mean, it's not a huge boat, but it is... It's got a boat, it's got an outboard motor, and it, it's behind a car. And I'm, I'm, we're driving down the road, and I'm talking, I'm like, dude, that, that's crazy. I mean, you're, you're beating up your, your transmission, you know, and, and your, the whole drive line. You're just stressing the hell out of it. It's like, what are you talking about? What did, you guys just, you, you, you no, he didn't say lazy, but it's just overkill. You don't need that big of a thing. And his argument was, <laughs> well, we're not breaking stuff. And the cars will run a couple hundred thousand kilometers, so clearly they can do it. I was like, it's certainly, no! <laughs> it certainly does beg the question, you know, do you need four rear tires on the back of your truck to tow your lawnmower around? And uh, <laughs> plenty of people would argue that, yes, you absolutely do. If you use it for other things. Like, if, I mean, and don't get me wrong, if you just want a big truck... And you get a, like a one ton or three quarter ton, and you you never gonna tell a thing in your life. I'm completely okay. Good with on that. you. You know, just like people say, well, you don't need that. Do I need a car that can do 200 miles an hour? No. Do I want one? Absolutely. Same thing with a truck. I'm okay with that. But yeah, I mean, if you tow, you know, if you're hauling around horses and stuff, and that one day you just need a lawnmower and you don't want three of your buddies to haul it up into the bed of the truck. Slap a trailer on there and just tow along. I'm, 
I'm okay with that, but yeah. Yank tanks, I love that. I did too. Yeah. <clears throat> I hadn't heard that before, but yeah. uh, it, is, it is crazy nowadays what is available from a dealership showroom in terms of, you know, fender flares, <laughs> bump winch covers, yeah. headlights, roll bars. I mean, and even the trailing arms. A tra- I mean, everything. I mean, they're like, I, I doubt they're billet, but they look, you know, they're, they're fancy. Yeah. I wouldn't want them like that. I, I believe you can get you can get uh, Chevy Colorado with Owens Reservoir shocks on them that are anodized gold. I mean, I thought they ran fuck shocks. They those, might have. They might be. You, you, you might be right. Uh, but you know, my point was, and again, I, I hate to sound like the old man, but <laughs> in my day, uh, the S10 was available as a two wheel drive and a four wheel drive, and that was it. Yeah, yeah, but back then, most of your Packages were li- literally little more than a sticker, mm-hmm. some badging, and maybe some stitch work on your seats. We did get screwed over back in the day. But even before our time, like in the 60s, well, not the 60s, because I don't think they really had packages, but like the 70s and stuff, mm-hmm. that's all it was. It was stickers on the side, a badge, and some stitch work. Maybe yep. a steering wheel or a shifter or something like that. Yep. And, you know, they'd call it that, that was their, you know, their race package. Yep. That's what I, I really got under my skin again when I first started to notice trucks and uh, in particular the smaller Japanese trucks mm. that were just all over the southeast growing up when we when you know yeah. you, you didn't really want a, a 302 Ford F150 because you know you didn't want to put the gas in that kind of old truck yeah. and you couldn't afford a new one. Well, uh, a Tacoma or, or a T100 predecessor or a, a Mighty Max was a great compromise because it didn't cost you an arm and leg to run. But on the same, by the same token, you know, it, I, not to not, step, not the most capable vehicles around. Not to correct you, but I'm going to correct you. I'm pretty sure the T100 is a predecessor to the Tundra. You're probably right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're probably right. Uh, the Tacoma, it it, it it didn't even have a name, like. They just, pickup, right? Yeah, they just called it. It was the Toyota pickup. Yeah, they had no name for like the first decade of its existence. Yeah, um, yeah, and now I mean, and I do like it. I, I'm giving crap to you know the transformer trucks because they're just they're like SEMA trucks. They, mm-hmm. They're just they're so over the top, and it's just it's not my taste. I'm sure there's plenty of people that love them, obviously because they're all over the place. It's just not my taste. But what I do like is the fact that dealerships are. They're finally starting to get it. Yes. And man- yes. manufacturers, too. Yes. Um, that, that people want cool shit. Yeah. You know? Um, like, I think it's the Chevy Colorado. They're... I don't know if they're releasing it. Already have, or they're gonna... The, um, the Bison mm-hmm. trim level. It, it's to go with the... the against the Tacoma TRD Pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they partnered with AEV, American mm-hmm. Expedition Vehicles, awesome company. Um, they do a lot of Jeep stuff, Ram, and now the Colorado. I don't think I've seen that yet, I gotta check it out. Uh, that particular truck or that company? No, 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 the Bison, I have yeah. passed me by. They, uh, it, it's, it's, it's badass. Yeah. They, um, it, it's just not a bunch of stuff falling onto it like yeah. they have they work with the engineers from the companies and stuff and, and you know they, they, when they make a suspension system it is designed to work with like the harmonics and uh, of the whole 
it rides like factory. Mm -hmm. It works like factory. Yeah, sure. Um, same thing like their their steel bumpers. You know, if you get in an accident, your airbags your airbags still work. It's designed to fail before the frame does. You know, mm -hmm. it works like an OEM part, but it better than an OEM part. Mm -hmm. uh, and with the the, the Bison, it, it's the whole. You know, Megilla. It's it's suspension, bodywork. It, it, it's a good looking truck, and it's functional looking, good looking truck. Suspension yeah. suspension development has come an awfully long way, and and I, I think you know a lot of people have said have said that Tesla was the one that kind of kicked off this whole you know manufacturer interest in specialized cars for specialized markets uh, instead of just sort of trying to to blanket the you know. No, I, I would say. But I, Tes yeah, I was Tesla, they started the big manufacturers into seriously making electric vehicles. Oh, sure. Because before, sure. they, because they're so the, the the manufacturers are so in with oil companies mm -hmm. that they, they don't want electric. So they would build it to say they're building it and it sucked. No one bought it, so sure. they bought more uh, gasoline. Sure, sure. But my point was more to the to I was I was more thinking about you know like before Tesla, you know there was, there was this uh, I'm going back to the early 2000s when GM was selling uh, Monte Carlos with, with giant number threes on the side and it was just a, it was purely a, a badge engineering marketing exercise yeah. and there was no interest in but they've been doing that for know, decades they've been doing that for decades exactly there was no interest in in kind of a genuine performance car you know that that came from something humble but i think now you know there, there's a lot more of the the honda civic type r is a it's a it's a at its heart it's still a little commuter car but it, it's a searing you know real performance mm. you know oriented car nowadays and it, yeah know, i mean you had the exceptions i mean the focus the ford they, focus the new the, the new fiesta the hot fiestas yeah. I and mean, those are those are much, much more than just a badge and a, and a sticker. Yeah. Thank goodness nowadays. And I mean, you had cars back in the day, you know, 60s, 70s, and 80s that mm -hmm. they would slap in a bigger motor and, and this and that. Um, I noticed it probably early 2000, mid 2000, mm -hmm. something like that. And it was, they were actually starting to make wheels. That yeah, actually, it, it wasn't just a utilitarian slap it on. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it actually looked kind of cool. Yeah, because people, you know, Fast and Furious came out, and you know that whole car scene exploded here in the states. And yep. you know, people really started putting in aftermarket stuff seriously, and aftermarket companies were seriously starting to expand too. Oh gosh, the tuner scene! You, the the sheer number of aftermarket companies in the nineties. But uh, that's bled into every other kind of car scene. You know, oh, absolutely! From off-road to, and it has also given birth to some of our favorite technological dead ends of all time, uh, which we will get into on the next episode. Um, but and come back and join us then. Thank you very much.